From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Fail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, we like to welcome new members to LIBA every now and then on the Lincoln Business Beat and uh, at this week's LIBA Luncheon, you uh, named a, quite a few of them. We had a great list this week, Mark, and it's it's nice to see we've got some companies joining with a couple people. So I'll run through the list and give them a nice uh, welcome to LIBA. Uh, Alpha Omega Wealth Management, John Dannenbring. Bankwise Realty, we had two new folks, Jason Becker and Jessica Walsh. Uh, Bishop Business, Logan Hill joined LIBA. Brent Smoyer. Uh, Eeks Office Equipment, uh, Kitchen Tune-Up added a new, another member, Ron Thackeray. The Nebraska Horseman Association and Lynn McNally are involved with LIBA again. Uh, Parish Neighbors of Lincoln, Tara Peeper and John Costello. Watson's Auto Service, Mark Hansen. Western National Bank, Cecilia Stryler and Todd Calfey joined. And uh, uh, we had an individual, Vernon Jay, joined. So... A nice group of new members. We welcome them. We had several of them at the lunch earlier this week that were able to uh, join us and, and get introduced to Leva. So we appreciate them being involved in our organization and look forward to catching them at more of our events down the road. And that Leva luncheon uh, guest was uh, Dr. Paul Gosman, uh, superintendent, Lincoln Public Schools. He kind of gave a summary of uh, what led him to Lincoln. As he said, for the third time, he was uh, at UNL. He taught in some of the uh, Lincoln High School uh, in the past, and now he's back as superintendent of schools. Uh, if you'd like to uh, check that out, it is uh, on the Facebook page, Liba Facebook page, under the videos. Yeah, we like to stream those to our Facebook page so that folks, if they're not able to attend the lunch, maybe they can catch it from their desk during the lunch or, or catch up to it later the week. And I think uh, Dr. Gosman had a few interesting things that he talked about. He talked about poverty and free and reduced lunch program, and some other visions for the Career Academy. So it was nice to be able to have him come and join us now for the first time since he became superintendent. I'm going to jump a little bit out of line here because he also talked about, and as you mentioned, Career Academy and uh, the, the four-year degrees and all of that. Uh, we got a little uh, tidbit here that came out this week on people with regretted majors. <laughs> what in the world? Well, I thought it was it was kind of fascinating when I saw this come out this week that um, 44% of people that are looking for a job right now say they regret their college major. Um, you know, and I know there are a lot of people, heck, I'm one of them, <laughs> that um, I have a degree in teaching and education administration, and, well, I'm not doing either one of those, really. So, um, but uh, I don't regret my major, per se, but... You know, they had uh, the three that they I highlighted in this story that we saw this week was, you know, the three most regretted majors is journalism, sociology, and liberal arts. So um, kind of fascinating to see people, you know, buyer's remorse, I guess, a little bit, maybe call it, or, you know, maybe didn't give them quite the things that they wanted. And uh, seeing that journalism up there at number one, that's yeah, a little disappointing for those of us in my business as well. By the way, this was a survey that was done by ZipRecruiter, so this is not a college-based thing. This is a, yeah. a, a employer 
or a recruitment. A cr- recruitment website, so yeah. to speak. So. so fascinating information. I was a little surprised to see journalism up there top of the list as well because, you know, you have a lot of people in that major that go into whether it's broadcast journalism or print journalism. There's just so many different things and so many different directions you can take a journalism degree. Well, and and it's in the digital world too now. So uh, the, the definition of journalism uh, as we know it today is a lot broader than it was back when <laughs> when I was uh, getting in. But not all not all bad. There there was quite a few uh, surveys showed the happiest grads as well. Yeah, and this one was the well the three uh, the three that they outlined that uh, the happiest college grads are those who chose computer and information science and criminology, uh, followed by engineering and nursing, and you know. I didn't realize this until I read the story, but, uh, you know, the average nearly a hundred grand a year across industries in that computer science area. So that's, that's pretty healthy starting wage. So I, I got to show this to our daughter because she's studying criminology. So hopefully she's happy with her major. (laughs) And I can tell you from uh, being married to a nurse, that is a profession that is uh, looking to hire uh, by the thousands you know the the entire medical but especially nursing so valuable and uh, so much needed so you know it's ironic mark when i look at these majors and we talked about the career academy and we've talked about that at length on this podcast the the most regretted ones aren't necessarily the pathways we see but those pathways that they're talking about that grads are the happiest those are pretty popular focus programs out of the career academy so not, I don't know if you can make a direct correlation. I just found that a little, uh, little insightful. And on the other side of it, uh, we're finding out that some people are going to be out of jobs at some major, major companies uh, yet this year. Well, you know, I think it was a week or so ago we talked about Meta, and they had just laid off several thousand. They were going to lay off th- several thousand. And now we're looking at Amazon. Amazon's looking to lay off about 10,000 workers um, as early as this week. So, you know, those those kind of tech companies, we're starting to see that, and we've talked about that nasty R word on here a few times, and I wonder if it's not kind of following suit. Well, it's, it was interesting to me to find the areas where they're expecting the most uh, of the cuts. Uh, a lot of the tech companies' layoffs uh, are already underway, but they're targeting corporate employees and could affect Amazon's device business. That's like Alexa. Uh, also affecting their human resources and their retail units. You know, Amazon got big. I mean, they're in some retail areas and Whole Foods and all of that. So that's uh, that's an interesting, I don't want to say it's a phenomenon, but their core business of delivering products and being a, a seller uh, doesn't seem to be affected by this. As a matter of fact, I understand Amazon warehouses and delivery uh, hiring for the holiday yeah, they're, season. <laughs> yeah, they're hiring, but at the same time, they've they've gotten a little broad in those areas. And I, I was I was just intrigued by that because, um, you know, you mentioned the devices unit, which, um, you know, you get into the Alexa and those types of things. And it said here that that review is focused on the device unit, which the the Wall Street Journal reported had lost five billion dollars annually in recent years and i'm kind of sitting here going that's a pretty big number 
And I'm I'm just surprised that maybe they didn't pull this decision off a little sooner. Well, they're a trillion dollar company, and the five billion. You know, when you put it all in perspective, five billion is not uh, a huge amount of that uh, that business. But <laughs> for anybody else, five billion a year. That's a chunk of change. Yeah, some people would call that real money. <laughs> I'm guessing a lot of them would. Yeah. So, Well, you talked about Meta, but also some of the uh, other tech companies are seeing some downsizing, not necessarily in workforce, but in office space, and they're they're aggregating some of their, their workforce into others. Some, I noticed Salesforce, uh, they're looking to downsize office space and this can't be good for that uh, commercial real estate business when you get companies like that so broadly involved in so many business i mean they're a supplier software is a solution and software for a lot of different companies that's not a trend that i think is good for the uh, industry it's a bad trend for main street to be honest and you know i think we we've talked about this a few times in different ways on this podcast but there's a lot of we see a lot of empty commercial space here in Lincoln, and we're starting to see more of that. And I think uh, part of that here in Lincoln had to do with some of the you know work from home and companies didn't come back. But these these companies like Meta and Lyft and Salesforce and tech companies, they were building some pretty big office spaces, and they were buying office space in large quantities. And now for them to be vacating that space, when I talk about Main Street, you know, the the ripple effect when something like this happens becomes what happens to the coffee shops or the little sandwich shop down the street. You know, you lose a lot of workers or you lose people not coming to the office. Um, we saw that in Lincoln here during the pandemic. And so I think there's some residual effects or maybe unintended consequences when these things happen which that's when I say this really has an effect on Main Street because, you know, during the pandemic, I mean, my dry cleaner was getting creamed with, you know, not as many people were going to work, so they didn't need the dry cleaning services. The automobile repair industry was hurt a little bit because people weren't commuting. We saw restaurants and coffee shops and those kind of things uh, close in Lincoln because of that. So, there, there is an effect when, when people get out of big commercial properties like that. So it's a big deal. Yeah, and I'm sure that in some instances I noticed there was a, a report somebody had uh, bought into a brand-new office building, and now they're trying to, uh, instead of occupy it, lease it out. And, and like you say, that commercial real estate is, is just going to be the, the recipient of, as you mentioned, the unintended consequences. But... Got to watch that trend going forward. And, and, and I would imagine there was a few of these companies, especially the tech companies, that were just a little exuberant in their hiring as well you know, when things were really growing. And Correct. so maybe in some instances, this is more of a right-sizing to the reality of the, of the marketplace. Yeah. The number that fascinated me when I looked at this, Mark, was you talked about subleasing their property. Uh, companies in the technology pl- sector have placed about 30 million square feet of office space in the sublease market. That's a lot of office space. But that's about triple of what they were looking at three years ago this time. So it was about 9.5 million square feet then. 
it's tri- more than tripled over 30 million square feet. That's that's a big number to try to sublease and and try to get people in that space. That's astronomical. And as they say in Cucamonga, the story's not over yet. I'm sure we'll be <laughs> talking about this yeah. uh, in the future. Um, one thing that we talked extensively about, because uh, you love numbers and you got into one of the deep dives, and that was on uh, LAS's budget process and how it goes through their uh, board and then to the city. And there's been one particular item in that budget that really <laughs> It's needs a burr in my cross, so to that, speak. That it something. is, and I, I think it deserves a little more attention as to the ramifications of, I don't want to say sleight of hand, but you can call it something and it ends up, no matter what you call it, it's still a tax. Yeah, I mean, the the city dividend that we've talked about pretty extensively on here, which is something that I, I always get a little wound up about when we do the, the LES budget and we talk about the city budget, and the dividend is a fee that the city charges the electric company to charge you that's remitted back to the city for their general fund. To me, that's a tax. The The public entity has said you have to pay this based on this usage, so ergo a tax. But in 2022, their their projection is to collect about $10.7 million in this dividend. And in the next year, in 2023, that dividend is going to increase 10.7% to $11.8 million. Um, you know, again, it's about a little over $1.1 million, but that's a 10% increase in what the city is going to receive for this tax. Um, and so it's something that we just want to make sure our listeners are aware of and raise the awareness because it's something that that are, that's constantly going to be looked at and, and I think need to be talked about because there used to be a cap on what the city could charge dividend, and they took that off a couple of years ago. So now they can raise it whenever they want, however they want. Well, it, the the thing that I would point out, is this is even higher than the current inflation rate. Correct. And we're hitting, I mean, we're still at that 8%-ish inflation, and we're still above inflation. So, again, consumers are getting it in every direction. And, you know, this, ta- this tax dividend going up is, is, a, is a direct correlation to what the city's doing. And, and it's one of those things where I don't feel like the city's really in sync with what the ratepayers and the c- people of the community are paying. I think it'd be wise for people to realize the transparency on these types of things, and no matter what you call it, you're paying it. Exactly. Well, and, you know, we were the one group, again, out there testifying on this budget and bringing up the dividend. So it's important to pay attention and know what's going on out there because that's that's the way it goes, and we got to be awake and know what's happening. In our deep dive segment coming up... Um, Big news hit this week. Uh, it's been underway. I bet it's actually been talked about for about a year, over a year, and that is a, a refiguring of the floodplain maps based on new rainfall data and buildouts and all of that. But there's and here's the here you go again. The unintended consequences of what some of the proposals are could be very very costly for residents and businesses. Well, and it's not just redrawing the floodplain map. It's the city actually taking it a step further in how we can develop 
and what where buildings need to be built. And I think that's that's a huge issue. It's coming. It's something coming down the pike that um, you know. There's the public or uh, planning planning commission. I wanted to say public service commission. The planning commission uh, had their hearing on it this week, and then. Uh, they'll take a vote on it and forward it to the city council and be in front of the council in December. I think it'll be a hot topic. We'll go deep on it next. Do you need financing? To, do you need help, that is, finding reliable financing options? Say for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment for your business, McCurrency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, and other big-ticket items. Now, whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure, free to use, and it gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com and fill out an application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, Doing business as currency pursuant to CFL license 60DBO 54873. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You may recall back in 2015 when the city had some major flooding due to uh, extreme heavy rains. I think they said it was, what, a once in 75 maybe even a once-in-a-hundred weather phenomenon. Uh, But there's been a lot of development in the city since then. There's been a lot of uh, other uh, flood mitigation work that's been done over the past couple of decades. But the city is now looking at uh, revisiting this whole process and maybe making some regulations and updating floodplain maps and all kinds of things. But there's some concern that's being expressed by uh, a, a group of, of individuals and businesses, but there's some things in here that deserve a little light of day. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, we we always want to make sure that our floodplain maps are up to date and, and accurate and those kind of things. And it hasn't been done since the 60s, so it's probably time uh, that we do that, which I think I think that's the part that everybody agrees on. Um, it's good to to define the floodplain and what it looks like. But the city's taking it a step further, and by taking it a step further, what I'm really talking about is there's new rules that they're trying to push forward, which would change how you can develop a site. And right now, you have to build uh, one foot above the floodplain, and 
they're looking to double that to two feet. And there are, you know, we, we mentioned unintended consequences, ripple effect, whatever you want to call it. But when that decision gets made, it, it causes other things to happen. And that's the part that this group that's been formed, and, and I really appreciate this group. There's a coalition of business, developers, you know, other groups that have come together to talk about this issue and, and really try to have a good conversation about it. And the part that is somewhat frustrating, I would, to, in my mind, is we're we're not listening to the people in that coalition that's trying to help guide the city. So um, it'll be fascinating to see the final decision of the planning commission and then what the city council decides to do with the recommendation from the planning commission. And this not only affects uh, new business or new construction in these areas, there's also in there that, that I read, if you are refurbing, uh, let's say a residence in uh, that's now in a floodplain and you're going to change over 50% of that structure, you're going to have to come up to those new um, guidelines, and that could make it cost prohibitive to even develop, especially uh, in these areas where we're pushing for low-cost housing and for for development and for uh, renewal of of city areas. Um, Yeah, that's going to make it, in some instances, impossible financially. It, it really does, and and that's one of the things that I think um, that becomes frustrating in this process is, look, here's the deal. We talk about affordable housing. You've heard me talk about affordability of housing, and that's supposed to be one of the issues that everybody seems to care about, and I almost use air quotes when I say care because if we're going to do these kind of things— and we're going to implement this kind of a restriction on development. It 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 flies in the face of growing as a city. It flies in the face of what affordability and affordable housing is. And you can't build affordable housing right now. If to fall in that, what is it about sixty percent of median income or something is where you know that 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 group comes in that needs the affordable housing. But there's no way to help them buy a house. You know, affordability becomes a huge issue. So I I just really, I wish the city would listen and hear what these people are trying to tell them. Well, the, the group has four specific uh, steps that they want uh, to take along with the city, not just, you know, they're willing to work on it as well before these regulations are adopted. Those steps, uh, according to uh, the spokesperson for the group, says it would take about six months. Well, they want to hire an independent consulting team to do an economic cost-benefit analysis of the proposed changes. And that coalition has raised some funds. They've raised $125,000 to help pay for that and need to have the city step up on that. They want to develop a community work plan to outline the types of structural solutions and locations, along with potential costs and funding. Uh, they'd like to see uh, interim floodplain uh, maps using updated rainfall totals to help city property owners and developers better understand the impact just with the new uh, rainfall totals. You know, let's let's see what the the new totals or the the maps as they are now. What would the new rainfall totals be? And the fourth is identifying additional funding sources for those structural solutions that you just said in these older neighborhoods. 
So it, it seems as though that's a fairly reasonable request of the city to go through that process. I, I really believe, you know, you use the term reasonable, and I feel like this committee has been very reasonable in wanting to do this. And the the, the first point you mentioned, Mark, which to me is common sense, is let's find out and do a cost-benefit analysis. Let's find out what this is going to cost us. And it's sad to me that the the city would sit back and go, well, we're just going to do it. If you guys want to do the study, go ahead, but we're moving ahead, and we're just going to do it, and we want to move forward with this. And to me, I'm going, okay, the people want to help understand the cost, and shouldn't we be making decisions based on what it's going to cost? Um, apparently that's a little different than the way people are thinking down at the city. So that to me is that's, that's like first and foremost, like why wouldn't we want to make the investment to figure out what the cost is and what's the true cost of this? Because this could, this could cost the city millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in development in lost revenue from property taxes, all of those things. And again, like I said, it flies in the face of growth. And it can cost them with non-development. I mean, there there's situations where somebody will be would be willing under um, a more, uh, what would we say, a, a, a probably a better outcome here, be willing to put in development, be willing to, to do some of this, but they're just priced out of it. Yeah, it's, you know, again, cost prohibitive. And the city has really, really been pushing this. Let's let's face it, they've just been pushing this. And to not listen to the people that are in the development community that want to provide the support, I mean, those are the people paying taxes. Those are people helping grow our city that it's going to put more, you know, when you grow the city and there's more available commercial and residential space, guess what? The city gains more tax revenue. So that, I just hope that the council will listen. I'm afraid that the planning commission has already made their decision. It's just imminent, I guess, uh, of what they're going to do. So I hope that the council will take a step back and and try to tap the brakes a little bit. I understand the uh, city council is scheduled to hear those proposals next month, uh, December 12th. And we'll vote on them possibly the following week. Yeah, so, so the the public hearing will be the 12th, and then on the 19th, the city council will vote. And And I'll be honest, in talking to council members, I feel like they're kind of split on the issue. Uh, so we'll have to see where it goes and, and what happens. And as this process moves forward, maybe we can bring in, um, you know, somebody from this group to, to talk about it a little bit. Uh, you know, Kent Seacrest has been very active in this, and um, I'd love to get Kent in here on the podcast and talk a little bit more about what it means and what is the committee really recommended and what is it they're looking for, because I don't get the feeling from this committee that they are saying, you better do it our way or else. Uh, the committee is, like you said, Mark, trying to work with the city and provide options, and I think that's what a good coalition of people can do. If you're interested in more information, uh, I have to uh, send kudos. Margaret Reist at uh, the Lincoln Journal-Star has an extensive article that goes into this. She covers both sides of it. 
It's in the November 13th uh, version online, and I would encourage you, if you want to go deeper than we've gone here, and to get into some of the discussions that have been held over the course of the past year, she outlines um, what the city is saying they've already done, which, if you may recall, during 20 and, I think it was 20 and 21, there were quite a few limitations by uh, the, the city on meetings and all of this because of the pandemic, and, and not that that is a factor in this case, but I think it's uh, well worth your time to uh, take a look and find out more about this. Well, and this is something that's kind of been pushed through the climate action plan that was introduced by the city, and I just think the city needs to proceed with caution on this issue because I, I think there's there's some people that are seriously um, going to show up and make sure the council knows where they stand on December 12th. So um, might want to pop some popcorn for that council meeting because it'll be it should be a good one. What else is on the agenda? We're coming up to holiday, um, Thanksgiving, a little over a week away, a little less than a week away now as you as we uh, hear this podcast. And just a reminder, shop local, the holiday season, and shopping local e-commerce is just as good as shopping local. Absolutely. We had Jim Ballard in last week and talking about uh, From Nebraska Gift Shop and James Arthur Vineyards. Um, I talked about my passion for Small Business Saturday, my my own little economic development activity on that day. And then, um, you know, we're going to talk to a small business owner next week to come in and talk about what it means to have that local support. Um, we've got our coffee and contacts is on Tuesday the 22nd at uh, Youth for Christ, so it's a good opportunity to gather and, and meet people before work during that Thanksgiving week and, you know, Shop local, shop often. <laughs> let's let's have a Green Friday. Um, they call it Black Friday, of course. Let's call it Green Local Business Friday, shall we? Instead? There you go. And uh, let's just do it here. Yep, I think it's great. We're going to shop local, support our local businesses. You know my passion for that. And we would encourage you, uh, if you found the Lincoln Business Beat to be helpful in any way, share it with your uh, uh, colleagues, family, friends, uh and if you'd like to um, share a thought or two with us here at Lincoln Business Beat, you can reach Bud at Liba. It's just Bud at L-I-B-A, as in Lincoln, Lincoln Business Association. Yep. Lincoln Independent Business yes. Association dot O-R-G. Love to hear from you as well with topics or uh, thoughts. Yeah, it's great when the listeners share their feedback. We appreciate that and uh, share the podcast as well. Yeah, on another little project I do, it's, it's, you know, we appreciate people listening to us. Sometimes we like to listen to you all. Amen. I love it. I, you know, I love it when somebody says, I, I listen to the podcast. I appreciate what you're doing. You know, we've had some ideas that have come out of interaction with our listeners. So thank you very much. We'll do it again next week. You've been listening to the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LEBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.